Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Wednesday edition of PFTPM. Welcome in. Stay a while. We're not here for long. It's just an hour. Shereen Williams and Mike Florio here today. Good afternoon, Shereen. How are you? I'm fantastic, Mike. How are you doing today? I I am doing well. I got my workout in before the show, and I am happy to report the shower I think took. I will not be sweating (laughs) through my shirt or down my toupee at any point over the course of the next 59 minutes or so. Browns fans were sweating out the question of whether or not they would be adding Jadavian Clowney, the number one overall pick in the 2014 draft, played with the Texans, played with the Seahawks, played with the Titans. He's clearly in the one-year-at-a-time phase of his career. I feel badly for the guy. He never got the gigantic payday that his talents would have justified because of the rookie wage scale. That said, he gets a one-year deal worth up to $10 million. With the Browns, that means what he's actually getting is less than that, and he's going to have to do some things, do some stuff, and you never know what stuff he's got to do until you see the details. He may have to be the Super Bowl MVP to get the full $10 million. We don't know. Either way, what we do know is he is a member of the Browns, Shireen. Your first reaction when you saw that he's going to be across from and or to the left of working from the inside of Aggie great Miles Garrett. Well, I just remember last year, Mike, when Jadavion Clowney signed with the Titans, we all thought it was such a big deal, how much it was going to help the Titans' defense. And, of course, Jadavion Clowney does what he has done many seasons in his career. He got hurt. He didn't have any sacks uh, last season for the Titans. And guess what? They were last in the NFL in sacks, 19 total sacks last year. So while the hype train's going, while it looks like it's a really good signing, you know, we'll have to see how long can he stay on the field? How much damage can he cause? But I do think it's a great signing from the Browns from the standpoint of they have the money, they have the cap space, and they have Miles Garrett there to to help Jadavion Clowney. He was at his best when he had J.J. Watt. And I know J.J. Watt was hurt a couple of those years, but there was one year there when they were both really, really good. And I think you could have that again in Cleveland with those two guys rushing the passer. So they had all of that, Mike, and, and they're on the verge, I think, of doing something really big in Cleveland. So having him help them take that next step, I think it was a good signing. I'm not going to get all hyped about it and say they're going to the Super Bowl because they signed Jadavion Clowney, but I do think it was a good signing. The reality with Jadavion Clowney is that when he is fully healthy, he is capable of being one of the most disruptive yeah. players in the National Football League on the defensive side of the ball, regardless of what his stats show. What he does, and this is a statistic that we are still trying to get the Elias Sports Bureau to officially recognize, the Chris Sims F-up-the-play stat, where one guy, just by virtue of how he explodes or implodes the offensive line, destroys whatever it is that the offense is trying to do. And I thought one of his finest moments, Shereen, was on a Monday night in the 2019 season when he was playing for the Seahawks against the 49ers. He was a one-man wrecking crew. The problem is, by the end of the game, he could feel a sports hernia coming on, and he was affected by it the rest of the game. So, if he's healthy, 
He's awesome. The problem is he has had a chronic injury history, and that just is what it is. And some guys just get injured more than others. Some guys put so much into everything that they do. They play with such reckless abandon, they set themselves up to get injured. And we were on the text chain, the PFT writer text chain today, and you know, I, I said, hey, it's almost like a comet. You, you see it briefly and brilliantly, and then it's gone for two or three years. And it's going to come around again at some point for the Browns this year. The problem is how long is it going to last? It's not going to last 17 games. And they can just hope that Jadavion Clowney is close to 100% when the games matter most in January, assuming the Browns get back. I will add motivated to that when healthy. When healthy and when motivated, he can be one of the best players in the NFL. And, he, and you know, he talks about defensive player of the year. He's never even been all pro. He's been a pro bowler three times. He's never had double-digit sacks. And a lot of that is because of the injuries. When he's motivated and he's healthy, we saw it in that 49ers game. You talked about that. He had a sack, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, resulted in a touchdown. He was dominant in that game, and we saw it earlier that season with the Seahawks against Arizona. He also scored a touchdown in that game, had two sacks. You saw it in flashes with the Texans. There was one game against the Colts when he just destroyed the Colts when he was playing for the Texans. So you've seen it in flashes. You've seen it in spurts. You know what he can do. We just want to see more of it, Mike. We want to see it for a full season. We want to see it for eight games or 10 games or 12 games. Even if it's not 17 games this season, we need to see it more than what we've seen it from Jadavion Clowney in his career. Manage the reps in games. Manage the practice time. Be smart with Jadavion Clowney. Keep him healthy and you're right. Keep him motivated as often as possible. We talked about what motivated him to choose the Cleveland Browns. Last year they wanted him. He opted not to play for the Browns this year. He did. Here he is from earlier today talking to reporters about why he landed in Cleveland. Uh, Jadavion, can you just talk a little bit about uh, why were you so excited to come to the Browns this year when I know they pursued you very hard last year? And uh, I, I heard that their offer was higher than anyone else's. So why this year? Why not last year? Uh, uh, circumstances change, and I got a new, uh, I got a new agent, mm -hmm. and he was more open uh, about just about coming here and wanted me to take a visit. My last one, I, I didn't take me to take no visit, but this one made me visit, and I came and visit. I got to sit down with the staff and got to know some of the guys, and it made me made it much more easy for me to come here and play again I firmly believe Jadavian Clowney is in that one year at a time phase of his career and even if he has a big year somewhere I know that a team may be tempted to do a multi-year contract it just has never shown to be something that is sustainable but it's that lure of what he can be it's that hope of what the Browns could be and if he is healthy he will make the Browns better we just don't know that that'll happen I talked earlier about Putting Jadavion Clowney on the same defensive line with Miles Garrett. Clowney addressed that as well earlier today. Shereen, here he is. Here he is. A lot has been made about you pairing up, obviously, with Miles Garrett and that your arrival will help him. How much will playing with him help you? A lot. I've been getting double teamed off a lot in this league <laughs> over my career. And, uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to playing with somebody dominant on the opposite side, like a Miles Garrett who can draw a double team. Maybe I can go one-on-one -on -one more. <laughs> and that really is the key. You know, a dominant defensive player gets double teamed, sometimes triple teamed. 
there's only so much attention you can give to Jadavian Clowney if you're worried about Miles Garrett, Shireen. And I think that is all the reason for Clowney to be attracted to Cleveland, go to a team where there already is that dominant defensive player. So you get more favorable matchups, more opportunities to create havoc, more opportunities to get more sacks, something he hasn't had nearly as many of as the talent would suggest. Yeah, you look at what Olivier Vernon did last year, and he's a free agent. He had 14 starts for the Browns last year opposite Miles Garrett, and he had nine sacks. He had a great year. And, and so if Jadavian Clowney can play 12, 14 games for the Browns, he can get back in that nine and maybe even have 10 sacks his first double-digit sack season with Miles Garrett opposite him. Obviously, teams put a lot of their focus on stopping Miles Garrett, right? He was having a defensive player of the year kind of year two years ago when he had the suspension. And then last year, he comes back and has 12 sacks in 14 games. So he's been dominant. And, and they also signed Tech McKinley, who I think if they can get his career going again, he can be a rotational player and come in and spell those two guys. They can have a pretty darn good pass rush in Cleveland, Mike. Tech McKinley was a first-round pick of the Falcons back in 2017. Adding Clowney gives the Browns 10 first-round picks, three number-one overall picks, and one Super Bowl MVP. Do you know who the Super Bowl MVP is who's on the Browns, Shereen? I do. Malcolm Smith. That's right. He was a seventh-round pick 10 years ago by the Seattle Seahawks. Right place, right time as part of a dominant Seahawks performance where they had to make someone the MVP. I, I don't know. Did you vote on that one? I think he just could have thrown a dart at five different guys for the MVP of that game. Yeah, I think I did vote for Malcolm Smith in that one. I keep most of those things. I just like having them and going back and seeing who I voted for. I'm pretty sure I did vote for Malcolm Smith in that one. I keep all mine, too. Never had one, so I never lose them. All right, uh, Aaron Donald, three-time defensive player of the year, something Jadavion Clowney aspires to be. Assault charges have been filed. Now, it's not charges by prosecutors. It's a criminal complaint. We need to be careful on that distinction. They've yet to decide, based upon the information provided by a man named DeVincent Spriggs, that Aaron Donald will be subject to any type of criminal charge. But Spriggs claims that he apparently bumped into Aaron Donald, Pittsburgh, out somewhere early Sunday morning, late Saturday night. And Donald beat the crap out of him, for lack of a better term. Broken arm, Spriggs claims. Concussion, Spriggs claims. 17 stitches, Spriggs claims, near his eye. And In this day and age where everyone's walking around with one of these and surveillance cameras everywhere, I assume that there will be some video evidence of whatever it is that happened to corroborate the claim if there is any corroboration to be had, Shireen. So this is a potentially serious situation for Donald, and the Rams have issued a statement that they're collecting information, the perfunctory statement that we see all the time. The league would have jurisdiction under the personal conduct policy. It's something that will will develop over time, and Donald could face criminal jeopardy, civil liability, and also a suspension by the league. I don't know how it happened, Mike, but I saw the photos of that guy's eyes swollen shut. He's an out-of-stater. They wouldn't say, this attorney wouldn't say exactly where he was from, but that was just a nasty eye injury that he had. Uh, with this, You could see the stitches in the picture and, and apparently had a broken nose and a broken eye socket and just a nasty picture, however it happened. But you know the old saying, Mike, nothing good ever happens after midnight. This was at some point at an after-hours club between 3 and 4 a.m., and they were both kicked out, and then it happened on the street, whatever the altercation was. They're looking for video now, as you said, and there's 
usually video of everything as we know. But this is the time, as we talked about, Mike, that teams worry about their players because they're not always at the team facility. They're not required to be there. They're out. They go out. They, they party. They have fun. There's nothing wrong with that, but let's make sure that you don't get in trouble. Don't get in these types of situations. Make sure you have a ride home after you've been drinking. All those types of things, they remind their players. This is when they worry most, Mike. And the thing that guys who who have physical violence at the core of what they do, and, and really anyone who's that age and, and you know, you got the testosterone, you, you know, you get into a fight. There's a point where getting into a fight will get you thrown in jail and will get you on the hook for potentially significant civil liability because whatever damage you inflict, whether you meant to or not, you're responsible for it. And typically... Your insurance isn't going to cover it. It's coming out of your pocket. So if you bust up a guy's eye, if you put him in the hospital, if you cause extensive dental damage, if you break his arm, anything like that, the medical bills are going to be your responsibility. Compensation for that person's pain and suffering is going to be your responsibility. It gets very expensive very quickly, and it's a lesson that plenty of players have earned or learned, excuse me, time and again, and not just athletes. But the thing is, if you're an athlete and you got the money, they're more likely to come after you. If somebody doesn't have money, why waste the time? But when it's somebody like Aaron Donald, there's reason to try to go get that compensation. And if he did it, he should compensate the gentleman involved for the the injuries that he suffered. Uh, and it's, it's that simple, Shireen. And you're right. When players are left to their own devices, that's when teams worry because you have to trust that they're always going to make good decisions. And sometimes it's not – it's not a significant percentage. It's just a few. And Aaron Donald, not a guy that we'd peg for something like this, and it's innocent until proven guilty, and we don't know whether he did it or not, but it's that small percentage that attracts attention, and it makes players who don't get in trouble look bad. Yeah, and, and let's hope that, you know, whatever happened, that he works this out and figures it out, and, and um, maybe it didn't even happen, and that would be great if, if Aaron Donald really wasn't even – involved in this but we'll find out as this process plays out mike but let me ask you this as an attorney do you settle this thing i mean he's still going to be subject to the personal conduct policy of the nfl but would you if you're in his situation and you actually did this would you just go try to settle it with this man absolutely absolutely write him a check for for a fair payment for what he experienced the damage that you inflicted if you did it if you did it if you didn't do it, then, you know, I mean, who knows at this point? If, if there was never an altercation involving Aaron Donald, if it was a case of mistaken identity, whatever the case may be, then you hold firm. But if Aaron Donald punched this guy or shoved this guy or did whatever that caused that damage, then you make it right. You definitely make it right. And a lot of times that's what avoids the criminal charges. And, and you know, as we said in the context of the Deshaun Watson case that we're going to talk about in a second, justice comes in various forms. And it's the victim of the wrongdoing that gets to pick the justice that he or she wants. And sometimes it's enough to get compensation for your injuries and you no longer are motivated to pursue criminal charges. That could happen as well. So, yeah, if I'm Aaron Donald and, and I did this, I am pulling out the checkbook, and I am apologizing profusely, and I am writing a check to make this right for the gentleman who I injured if I did it. Deshaun Watson case, as mentioned, there are 21 plaintiffs now, four now, 22 plaintiffs. One has decided to dismiss her case 
without prejudice. That means she can refile it at any time before the statute of limitations expires, which will be one or two years, depending upon Texas law, probably two years. Important for her lawyer to know whether it's one or two. Don't trust my word on it by any means. And anyone out there, always do your research on when you have to file your lawsuits. If you wait too long, you're done. This individual, according to the paperwork, dismissing the case without prejudice. She has concerns about safety and security before she refiles with her name attached to it, because that's where this was all heading. They all were going to have to attach their names. 21 of them had decided to do so. 14 were ordered to do so last week. All but one moving forward with the attachment of their names to these complaints. Shireen, the 22nd, dismissed without prejudice. There's been no settlement. She may refile. She may not refile. Time will tell. But either way, either way, if the tactic by Rusty Harden in forcing these individuals to go public with their names was aimed at getting some of them to go away, one out of 21 went away. So for now and may come back. But uh, as, as Tony Busby said in court last week, sometimes you want to be careful what you wish for because that vague argument that Deshaun Watson had in his favor that maybe these people don't even exist. Well, guess what? They exist. And now their names have been attached to their complaints. Shireen. That's the most surprising thing to me, Mike, that there are still 21, and we know 20 of the names, but 21 out there who are willing to put their names on these lawsuits. I probably, like Rusty Harden did, thought that there would be far fewer than this, but now there's 21, and as you said, only there's 21 bites of the apple, right? So he's got to win all 21 of these now. It's still a significant number of cases, so I don't see this as a victory at all for Deshaun Watson. Uh, in fact, maybe it's it's a big loss because it is still 21 bites of that apple. Yeah, it's it's going to be expensive. It's going to be time consuming. And I was talking to somebody about this earlier today. The more he wants to settle it now, the more Tony Busby can put his thumb on the scale and jack up the price of what it's going to cost to settle the case because Busby's smart enough to realize there's urgency to get this settled from Watson's perspective. So there's value. This ultimately is a business transaction. And anyone who thinks that the law is is special or different or there's some sort of magic that happens, when it comes time to settle one of these cases, it's no different than haggling over how much you're going to pay somebody for a secondhand bicycle. It's that simple. It becomes that basic. And there are different factors that go into the price tag that you put on a case and you buy justice for your clients. And the goal is to get as much justice, i.e. as much cash as you can. There's greater value now for Tony Busby to push on behalf of his clients. And the key is to find the right time to maximize what Deshaun Watson's willing to pay, buy the justice that way, get the clients feeling good about what they are ultimately receiving in the form of their justice and move on if that's to happen. But uh, it may not, and it may go forward, and it may be lingering for a very long time and cause uh, some real problems for the continuation of Deshaun Watson's career. NFL today making known to its teams the plans for the offseason program. This comes just a day after the NFLPA recommended all players don't show up for the voluntary workout programs held at the team facilities, ostensibly due to lingering concerns about the pandemic. Five teams at last count had said, we're not going to be there. And whether they all aren't there or not, I'll believe it when I see it, especially the guys who aren't even on the team yet. The draft picks, the undrafted rookies, the tryout players who are going to be there for the rookie minicamp. But bottom line is this. The NFL has explained how this is going to work. They're going to have four weeks of phase one, all virtual. Phase two, one week, all virtual. 
phase three starting May the 24th. That is four weeks of 10 voluntary practices, one mandatory minicamp. The same protocols apply as applied during football season. So it's testing every day with the Mesa PCR test, which is extremely reliable. 30-minute turnaround on whether or not you're positive. Vaccinations available to players if they want them. The NFL intends to go forward. And to the extent that this is a chess match between the league and the union, it's somewhere between check and checkmate with the details that the NFL provided today, in my opinion, Shireen. Yeah, and you're basically talking about 10 practices, right? That's it. That's all we're talking about. And I think when players saw this, a lot of them probably thought, well, what, what, why are we really protesting this? It's 10 practices. I don't think it's nearly as much as some of them anticipated. And so I do expect most players to be at these quote-unquote voluntary practices, Mike. I, I think they'll show up. And we know the Bills and the Packers have a lot of bonuses, a lot of guys with bonuses. They're definitely going to show up. The Packers have $5 million in bonuses to get their guys to come to these off-season voluntary workouts that are in person, and the Bills have a bunch too. So you know those teams are going to show up to collect their money. And, and I expect other teams too, Mike, to, to show up and a lot of players to show up for these things. And I think when it all boils down to it and May 24th comes, I think we're going to see most players at these off-season practices. Yes, Shereen, I wrote earlier today that the NFLPA isn't even pushing the teams who have players with significant workout bonuses to participate. And it's the Bills, the Packers, the Jaguars, and the Chiefs, those four teams. And then you have a domino effect because if the Packers are going to be there, are the Vikings not? Are the Bears not? The Lions, we know they issued that statement. But I I just I think these statements are gestures that easily can be put back into the toothpaste tube. You've already seen Brandon McManus, the Broncos NFLPA representative, saying, well, now that we have more information about what the NFL is doing, maybe we'll revisit it. Hey, you know what? They had the information. They knew. They knew. This is what the NFL and the NFLPA had been bargaining. This is exactly what the NFL offered the NFLPA. And the NFLPA said, no, we don't want to do it. So... I don't have a problem with someone looking for a way to save face and and maybe search for an escape hatch of the position that they've taken, which amounts to painting themselves into a corner, Shireen. But that's where they're going to be. And the genius of it is that rookie minicamp that always happens after the draft, a couple of weeks after the draft, the rookie minicamps are going to happen before phase three of the offseason program. So the first guys to show up from any team – It's not going to be the veterans who don't want to be there for on-field practices. It's going to be the draft picks. It's going to be the undrafted free agents who likely will be asked to commit unofficially off-the-record conversation that never happened to show up for the off-season program if they get signed. And on top of it, all the tryout players, the guys who are desperate to get an opportunity not just to be on the 53, but to be on the 90-man roster. So there will be 40 or 50 guys at a rookie minicamp before they even start phase three, and everyone will see that it works. And they're going to undercut this boycott before the boycott even has a chance to start. This thing's going to fall apart. It should fall apart. The harder the union tries to fight it, the worse they're going to look on the back end. Sometimes you just have to know when you've been beaten. What did Dan Campbell say? A true alpha knows when to concede. The true alphas of the NFLPA need to concede and get ready for the offseason program because, as the NFL knows, these guys are going to work out anyway. Why not work out at the team facility? 
You know, one thing you wrote, Mike, that to me was really interesting, we've talked about incentivizing the, the shots, right? And they're not going to mandate them, but if you get vaccinated, you have all these incentives that you get from the NFL. And one of those could be that they don't have to be tested every day. I think you said they're still talking about that. But that's interesting to me because that's the start of it. And they have a chance to get shots if they want them. The Broncos announced today that they're going to have shots for their staff, their players, their coaches. They're also going to have a session beforehand to talk about any information that they need from a team doctor. So whatever information, shots, whatever they need, they're, they're available to them. They're available to the families. And I think most players are going to do this, Mike, because there are going to be so many incentives attached to getting vaccinated. Absolutely. And they're going to do what the other sports leagues have done. They're not going to mandate it. But if you do it, you have less restrictions on your activities. If enough guys on the team do it, then there are lesser restrictions across the board. That creates some real peer pressure. And I think that is definitely the direction it's heading in. And to the extent that players are pushing back on the idea of on-field off-season workouts because of the pandemic, the easiest solution is just go ahead and get the vaccination. It, it's, it's, it's simple. It's available. Teams are making it available. If you're concerned about it, get it. I think that what's going on here is there's a combination of guys who are frustrated by the fact that the NFLPA never really gets everything that it wants or anything close to it in these negotiations because the NFL will, if push comes to shove, exercise the nuclear option of a work stoppage that causes games to be lost and the NFLPA won't. And also, there are veteran players that never want an offseason program. J.C. Treader, the president of the union, wants one never. So this year, oh, yeah, well, we don't want one because of the pandemic. And then next year, you come up with a different reason not to have it. They just don't want it. Yeah. They don't want to do it. And one of the reasons they don't want to do it is it gives young players an opportunity to get reps that may allow the coaches to realize they can go with a younger, cheaper player. And that's one of the weird dynamics. We've talked about this before of the union, of this union. You've got 90 roster spots, 90 jobs. And Labor Day weekend, it cuts to 53. And if you are reasonably the same from a skill standpoint and ability standpoint as a more expensive employee, the more expensive employee is going to get run out the door, Shireen. And, and that's just that's one of the unique facets of this union. It's not like a normal union. And you're going to have flashpoints like this from time to time. But you have to know and leadership of the union, the player leadership has to know when to not pick a fight that could hurt the broader cause because this is going to underline the notion that the players are incapable of making collective action work. Yeah, no question about it, Mike. I think you're, you're dead on there. Right as we were coming out of the air, an interesting case happened in baseball. The Astros put five players, five star players, by the way, on their COVID list. Uh, many of those, if not all of those, were fully vaccinated. So I find this interesting. We have to follow this and, and see how that transpires. I know the NFL is watching some of the baseball and hockey and, and basketball and kind of what they're doing after getting vaccinated. But that's going to be an interesting case here to follow over the next few days, Mike. By the way, did you hear Macy barking a few minutes ago? I don't know if it actually made its way to the microphone. She got out into the garage and she was barking. So you got to hear Macy, and I've tried to lure her up here. She will not come up the staircase That's that all. comes up above the garage, which I guess is good because I don't have to worry about her showing up and jumping up on the table or knocking light stands over. But uh, if you listen closely, you may have heard the faint sound 
of my dog barking about something, usually in search of food. Unless somebody gets too close to her mother, my wife, then she definitely loses her mind, which uh, is good if there's somebody who shouldn't be getting close to her, but it's bad if I try to go over and give her a hug or something, then the dog wants to come after me. And there's Macy, a couple of pictures, none recent. We need to get a recent Macy picture. She was just at the groomer yesterday, so she smells clean for a change. Let's take a break. When we return, in honor of the Olympics, Coming up 100 days from now, off-season medals get handed out by Shereen Williams and me. We'll do that when PFTPM continues right after this. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... <laughs> oh, the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. One hundred days to Tokyo. The Summer Olympics postponed by one year due to the pandemic. Coming up a hundred days from now, only on NBC Live. And this time, I think, like, everything is live. Long ago, Jim Thorpe participating in the Olympics, a guy with NFL connections. Ollie Matson as well in 1952. There's Ollie Matson. It looks like, what is that, a 200 with the staggered start? I think it's a 200, Shereen. Is that the 200? There's yep. Bob Hayes, like 1964. Uh, foreshadowing his career as a Dallas Cowboy wearing the Cowboy hat. I like that. And Marquise Goodwin, 2012 a sprinter who spent several years in the National Football League. And then not just the Summer Olympics, but the Winter Olympics as well. There have been some NFL athletes. Herschel Walker, maybe a future senator from Georgia. That's a different topic altogether. Here he is in the two-man bobsled back in 1992, competing in – where was it, 92, Shireen? Where was it? Come on. Is that Japan? You're the Olympics person. I don't know. In Nagano? I don't know. You could say anywhere. It, I think Nagano makes sense. And you could say a- the moon, and I wouldn't be able to say whether you're right or wrong because I can't remember. All I know is 1980 was like placid. <sighs> Albertsville, France. Shereen, I'm disappointed in you. You failed me. Uh, well, I, I wasn't around for that one. I didn't cover that one, Mike. I've covered seven, but I didn't cover that one. I've covered three winter and four summer. I've covered the last four summer. It, it is the absolute best thing I've ever covered. It's so much fun. But you're right, we talked during the break. Do I follow those sports during the year? A little bit of track, but everything else, probably not so much. 
But, but, but it is magical how those sports take over the Beautiful. sports world for that two weeks, whether it's the summer or whether it's the winter. And we're going to have summer, winter, bang, bang because of the Summer Olympics being backed up for a year. They got them on a staggered schedule instead of having them both in the same year. We're now going to have them both basically in the same year because come February during uh, the Olympics, the Super Bowl will happen and the Olympics will be wrapped around it. Those are in Beijing, site of the Summer Olympics 2008. I believe, but I quite possibly could be yeah. wrong. All right. In right. honor of the Olympics and in order to best hype the coming Olympics, we're going to give out bronze, silver, and gold medals based upon work done by teams in the offseason. So the bronze medal awarded by Shereen Williams goes to which team? I'm giving it to the Cardinals, Mike. I just think that some of these veterans they signed were key additions that – you know, some of them are going to be starters. Some of them are going to be reserves who are going to contribute a lot of playing time and some stats and everything else. But you look at this list of guys who are 30 and over, J.J. Watt, A.J. Green, Matt Prather, Malcolm Butler, James Conner, Colt McCoy, Brian Winters. A lot of those have Pro Bowls uh, on their, doc, on their uh, resume. So these are going to be good additions to the Cardinals. But I tell you what it does, Mike. It puts – in my mind, a ton of pressure on Cliff Kingsbury to get this team to the postseason and look at the division they play in. It is an extremely tough division, perhaps the hardest division in the NFL. But to me, he's going to have to get this team to the playoffs or he may be looking uh, at a pink slip after the season's over. I'm going with the Browns uh, for the bronze just because it sounds like bronze and because they have done some good things. <laughs> they've maintained their nucleus and they've they've added John Johnson, the safety from the Rams, who the Rams would have very much liked to have kept. And Troy Hill from the Rams as well jumps over to Cleveland. And on top of all that today, the addition of Jadavian Clowney, who, if healthy, can help that defense reach a new level. So Browns have done some great work, and the Browns, it's just weird to get used to this idea that the Browns are one of the better teams in the NFL. We had 20 years of them just being one of the teams that's hanging around. Not this year. Browns are looking pretty good. The Browns are looking pretty good. It still all goes back to Baker Mayfield, Mike. A key year for him to get it done uh, for the Browns. But I like what they've done this offseason. All right, silver medal. Shereen, who you have? I'm going to go with the Jaguars. You know, this is a team that really needed a shot of excitement for the city. And I think they started that by the coach they hired, going out and getting Urban Meyer. It may or may not work. It's an experiment. But if it does, it's going to work brilliantly. It's going to be a huge addition to them. If it doesn't work, hey, they're the Jaguars. They start over again. They've done that many times in the history of this team. And then I think the draft, they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence. We all believe that. It's going to be another shot in the arm. I just think there's going to be a ton of excitement in Jacksonville. But then you look at what, they're, what they've done in free agency. I just think they've improved themselves with Shaquille Griffin and Marvin Jones and Jamal Agnew and Carlos Hyde and Al Woods and Philip Dorsett and Damian Wilson and all the guys they've signed. They've signed a ton of guys. I don't think this is going to be the worst team in the NFL next year. They're going to win more than one game, Mike. They're going to end that 15-game losing streak pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't know how good they're going to be, and I don't know what I would peg their their real over-under at. I think the folks at PointsBet had them at 6.5, which is a dramatic jump from one last year. But uh, they're on the right track. We'll see. Urban Meyer making the adjustment to the NFL, I think, is the biggest challenge that that team has. For me, the silver – Washington football team, when you consider 
that they brought in Curtis Samuel, a very underrated receiver, William Jackson III at corner. They've also added Adam Humphreys, slot receiver, and there he is on the left, Ryan Fitzpatrick, hoping for Fitzmagic. I like what the best team in the NFC East has done to try to get a little bit better. And we were talking about this earlier today. The Cowboys still the betting favorites to win that division. They do such a great job of hyping that team and setting the bar unrealistically high every year. And then most of the time, they fail to achieve those expectations. And if I'm Washington, I love the fact that I'm not regarded as the favorite in the division. I think that helps set it up for them to win the division again. Yeah, 25 consecutive years. The Cowboys have failed to live up to those expectations. Mike, can they do it this year? We'll see. They have the best quarterback in the division, but I, too, like what Washington has done. All right. Who's at the top of the podium for Shereen Williams for the offseason so far? I'm going with the defending Super Bowl champions because I think they've set themselves up to have a repeat, Mike. All 22 starters are back. I never thought they would be able to re-sign all the guys they re-signed. They got everybody back. AB's the only guy out there, and I don't think they really care whether they get him back or not. But just getting Chris Godwin and, and Sue and Shaq Barrett and Levante David, and then they add... Uh, Gio Bernard and Scott McClendon uh, rejoined them again this week. So, I mean, they've just done all the right things to me in free agency, getting this team back together. They've got a great chance to repeat. They're deep. They're as deep as any team in the NFL. If you start to bet on teams, I'm definitely betting on the Tampa Buccaneers to go out and repeat. And I realize it's harder to repeat than it is to win the first one. But, oh, my gosh, this is a loaded team. To bring all those guys back to still have that Tom Brady mentality and to address your weaknesses after you've signed all your guys. You know, the fact that they signed Giovanni Bernard as an outsider, that, that tells me that maybe they've closed the door on Antonio Brown. I, I, I don't I, – yeah. I, I'd, I'd be concerned, and I've said this a few times, about bringing Antonio Brown back because of that looming civil lawsuit and the reality that he's going to be questioned under oath at some point – probably sooner rather than later. And I, I have a feeling that he's not going to perform very well and it's going to potentially jeopardize his ability to play in 2021. And they may just be better off looking elsewhere to round out the depth chart at receiver. The draft is still coming up. Maybe they could get a young guy there. I still hold out hope that Larry Fitzgerald, who has yet to announce his plans for 2021, would join the Buccaneers. We're having fun with the idea that Julian Edelman can end up there, although I really don't think it's going to happen. It's fun to talk about it happening, the connection with Brady and Gronkowski, but it is amazing what they've done to hold together all the starters, both sides of the ball, and they're going forward again. And they were 7-5. and five. It's amazing. A team that was 7-5 and five at their bye week has managed to win eight in a row and win every battle that they've faced in the offseason by way of keeping guys around. For me, it's the team that Tom Brady came from, the New England Patriots. Even though they were 7-9, and nine, there's this sense they were horrible, 4-12, and 3-13. No, they were 7-9. and nine. There were games they could have won that they lost, like the game against the Kansas City Chiefs, the Monday nighter, when all of a sudden they didn't have Cam Newton and the game got delayed today. They gave the Chiefs everything they could handle. But for some boneheaded decisions at the quarterback position, specifically one from Brian Hoyer, maybe they could have stolen that game. Now, Cam Newton's back. They went out and they spent all that money on upgrading the tight end position with John U. Smith and Hunter Henry and the receivers they added, Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne and all the things they've done defensively with Matthew Judon. Amazing array of talent to make a bad team better. And when you have Bill Belichick 
You don't have to be a Super Bowl caliber talent team. You just have to be close. And Bill Belichick and company are going to do the rest and put guys in the right position to win those games that a lesser team or a team with a lesser coaching staff would lose, Shereen. And I would love to see them get one of these quarterbacks that we keep talking about, Mike, in the first round. I think that would round off uh, what they've done in this offseason that's been a really productive one for the Patriots. So, say a Justin Fields, who they went and watched today, if they could end up with him somehow, some way, I think it would be an outstanding offseason. All right, uh, let's take a break. When we return, you know, it's one thing for us to speculate on what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. It's another thing when a Hall of Fame former Packer, former Defensive Player of the Year, guy who's still currently known as Charles Woodson, chimes in. We'll let you know what Woodson had to say about the relationship between Packers and Aaron Rodgers when PFTPM continues right after this. Justin Fields, Ohio State quarterback. Will he be the third overall pick in the draft? Will he be the fourth? Will he be the fifth? Where will he go? There he is, rolling left to right and throwing it back across like Zach Wilson did at his pro day workout on March the 26th. Watch. Last time he rolled left and threw in the direction. He's kind of still throwing in the direction he's going. It's not the same as what Zach Wilson did. Justin Fields, potentially a great quarterback. But Zach Wilson flicked the wrist, and it went back the other way. There's some of the folks who were there. Josh McDaniels, Kyle Shanahan. It takes a little more effort when they got the masks up. Keep the mask up, Kyle. We still got a pandemic. We still got a pandemic, Kyle. Didn't you get fined for that during the season? There's Pat Shermer. There's uh, Ryan Day. Ryan Day masked down all the way down. Why even bother? If you're going to treat it as a jowls catcher, why even bother to have the mask on, Shireen? <laughs> Yeah, agreed, Mike. Either put it all the way up or just wear it around your neck. All right. Uh, that's Justin Fields' pro day, and who knows what's going to happen with the third overall pick. And, and I, I saw another tweet where somebody from ESPN was questioning whether or not this the 49ers are going to take Mac Jones. I, I don't want to be ultra cynical, but you got to understand, ESPN's airing the draft, NFL Network's airing the draft. It's in their interest to create the mystery that – we don't know what the 49ers are going to do. And it's worked because I don't know what the hell they're going to do. And I think the 49ers like that because you know why? We're talking about the 49ers. That, that they get part of the benefit of moving up to number three. For weeks, we're wondering what the 49ers are going to do. It's the 49ers. It's the 49ers. It's the 49ers. And if they say what they're going to do, it, it takes some of the, the sizzle away from the draft. We already know it's going to be Trevor Lawrence one and Zach Wilson two. So... We have the mystery at three, and we got a bigger mystery at four. And I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying, just just be aware that there may be some folks who are looking to, to just stir up the mystery pot a little bit. But that's good. I'm caught up in it. I can't wait to find out what the 49ers are going to do. They've done a good job, Shireen, of keeping it very quiet. Yeah, but Mike, do you really believe that they traded up a couple weeks ago to number three overall, not knowing who they were going to take? I just find that really, really hard to believe. I think they already know. That's why they traded up. There's somebody sitting there, whether it's Mac Jones or whoever, and I think most of us believe it's Mac Jones, that they really like, and they knew they were going to get him at number three, Mike. Sims and I were talking about this today, I think. The days really continue to blur together, but... There's a fine line between we traded up to three and we're doing our due diligence 
and it's smart for us to do that versus we don't know what the hell we're going to do. We just traded up to three, which is a mistake because they ultimately are investing three first round picks and a third round pick in one guy. And the idea of saying we're just going to go up there and it could be any one of three or four guys, I... I, there, there's a line that you cross where it becomes a bad look. I think you're right. It's a lot to give up to not be damn sure that you know who you want. And if anything, you're just engaging in a process of confirmation, not a process of elimination. Elimination may ultimately happen for Aaron Rodgers on the Green Bay Packers roster. We've talked about the awkward situation, the fact that the contract as currently constructed allows the Packers to have year-to-year flexibility so they could flip to Jordan Love after this year if they want to. Aaron Rodgers may want something that binds the two sides together for two years so he doesn't have to worry about whether or not the Packers want him for next year. Charles Woodson, incoming Hall of Famer, Defensive Player of the Year, member of that Super Bowl forty-five championship team in Green Bay. He was on CBS Sports Radio last night with Zach Gelb. Here's what Woodson had to say about the relationship between Aaron Rodgers and and the Green Bay Packers. I think it's I think it's one of those situations where um, you know there's all this you know this talk you know uh, you know swirling around him and Green Bay, and um, you know I, I think it can be one of those situations where it, it get nasty, it gets nasty at some point somehow in a back and forth between you know the Packers and Aaron's agents and 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 then you know before you know it somehow the thing gets blown up so. Um, I mean, I certainly hope it hope hope it that doesn't happen, but you know, this, this you know where there's smoke, there's fire. You know what I mean? So um, this, this could be a situation where before you know it, you know, somebody makes a play or, or makes some kind of offer, you know, for Aaron Rodgers and, and Green Bay can't refuse and say, you know what, hey, you know what, we'll, we'll go our separate ways. He wants to be somewhere else, and you know what, we'll 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 go on with the future of the team. Woodson also pointed out plenty of great players, as we know, have finished their careers somewhere else. He left twice during his career, so it does happen. And he said he thinks that Aaron Rodgers will finish his career somewhere else. And I tend to think the fact that they used a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick last year, packaged them together to move up to get Jordan Love, and didn't have those two players that could have helped them maybe beat the Buccaneers in the NFC Championship game, maybe beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl— I almost think at some level it makes the Packers more determined to flip the switch to Jordan Love at some point. I don't think they did that, so they have an asset they can trade later, like Jimmy Garoppolo when he was traded by the Patriots. They made that move. They abandoned that mantra of our goal is to win the Super Bowl now, our goal is to win the Super Bowl now, to go out and get a guy who would help them be relevant and competitive later at the position. And you don't, you don't, do that and not use it. You've made that move. You've taken the criticism. I think it makes you more determined to use the guy at some point, whether it's 22 or 23. Clearly, it's not 21 because Aaron Rodgers was the MVP. But if there's any slippage at all this year, that's when all bets are off for 2022, and that's when Rodgers could be traded and Jordan Love is given the job. And I think Aaron Rodgers knows it. And if he doesn't get a contract that ties those sides together for 21 and 22, the door is open for Aaron Rodgers to be the one walking out. Well, and it's the same thing that happened to Brett Favre when Aaron Rodgers came in, right? It's the exact same scenario that that happened. And 
you know, I've said this all along, and Aaron Rodgers said the same thing when he was promoting Jeopardy last week, was that the timeline for the Packers changed when he won the MVP award, when he completed almost 71% of his passes and threw 48 touchdowns last year and won the MVP award, because I think the Packers' plan was to move on from Aaron Rodgers after this year, after 2020, this offseason. And he changed that plan because he was so good, because he played with that chip on his shoulder after they took Jordan Love. Right, Mike? And Warren Moon, if we, if we go back a week or two, Warren Moon said the same thing, something very, very similar about Russell Wilson uh, in Seattle. So you think about it, we could have Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson change teams after this year going into next year. And if that happens, it will be incredible three years of quarterbacks changing teams. Unbelievable. Unprecedented, I would say. And I don't think we're going to look back on it as some sort of an aberration. I think it's the new normal in the NFL with all these young quarterbacks coming in, with teams embracing what they did at the college level and having success right away. And that desire to find a guy that's going to be your future for 10, 15 years. If you get lucky, maybe longer than that, we're going to see these veteran quarterbacks churn more than ever before. We saw it this year. We saw it last year. We'll see it next year. We'll probably see it the year after that. We'll see in a couple of minutes when we return. The Bengals poised to unveil their new uniforms. We're going to have a PFTPM draft of the uniform specifically the jerseys that most need to be changed next. More PFTPM right after this. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, 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 of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Bengals unveiling their new jerseys next week. That is an image that was leaked several weeks ago. I sent the Bengals at the time a text message, their head of PR, Emily Parker, seeking comment, a denial, anything, and it was crickets in response, which tells me everything I need to know. That's the jersey, Shireen. That is the jersey, and I like it. I think it's an improvement over the jersey they had. Now, the helmet, the, the helmet to me looks like something that 
that basically was a pumpkin carved by someone who got really drunk or really high. That's what I think of when I see their helmet. I don't like the helmet. I like the jersey, though. They're going to have white. They're going to have orange. They're going to have black. That's the, the stripe configuration, the number shape. I like it. So today's draft as we wrap up this Wednesday PFTPM. NFL jerseys, other than the Bengals that are getting a makeover, jerseys that need a makeover, I'll give you the first selection. I'm going to take the Giants, Mike, and I just think they're boring. And what I hate most about them is they're known as Big Blue, and they have those white jerseys that have the red numbers on them. Get rid of the red numbers. Make those things blue. You're Big Blue for a reason. Go with the blue. That's your primary color. I'm going to start with the Denver Broncos because they are still clinging to that 90s version, mid-level panel, different color thing that is so out of style. And, and I look, I, I prefer the timeless uniforms. I prefer the white and blue behind your, your shoulder, the, the Cowboys, the Packers, the Raiders, the block numbers. There's no reason to change it. It works. People are going to buy the jerseys anyway. You don't need something flashy or trendy. The Broncos went trendy in 97. They won back-to-back Super Bowls when they went trendy, and they're stuck with it. 25 years later, get rid of the Broncos jerseys that was the 90s fashion of having that different colored panel in the middle. Please, Nike, work on them, Nike. Help me out here. Get rid of those jerseys. Mike, I'm going to go with the Cardinals as my next pick. They've had the same jersey since 2005, and Kyler Murray even panned them. He said they're outdated, they're boring. They are. They're outdated. Get some new jerseys in there. And I love their helmets, but but get new jerseys. And one thing I want to see is that Arizona patch. I don't know if you remember it, but Pat Tillman and, and Jake Plummer, I just remember those guys wearing that Arizona patch on the sleeve, and I thought that was really cool. They definitely need to bring back that Arizona patch. They've got that. They've got a version on that Broncos thing with, you know, you get cute with the, the panels on the side and you got different lines and colors and it, it, all one color jersey. And I agree with yeah. you, that rising sun patch was awesome they need to get back to that all right next one for me and I feel strongly about this one and I remember back when the Eagles made the change in 95 I think Keith Oberman had a show on whatever the Fox what was it used to be it was Fox uh, Sports Pittsburgh Fox Sports here Fox Sports there all those stations that I don't know who owns them now but he used to call them rollerball jerseys. It was a long way to go to the to the setup. But they had the funky numbers. They still have the funky numbers. It's the dark green. Just go back to the Kelly green everything. The Kelly green helmet, the Kelly green jersey, block numbers. I don't get the idea with these funky numbers. I don't like it. It doesn't work for me. I, I know. I know you'll get off my lawn. I just don't like the funky numbers. And the Eagles started the funky numbers in 95, and we're stuck with them 26 years later. Go back to the Ron Jaworski green with the gray wings and the block numbers, and I'll be happy. Classic. I love those two, Mike. And my last pick, I'm going to go with the Ravens. And simply because they have so many great colors and so many great things they could do with that, I think it's time for them just to update it, make a little change, sell some more jerseys. 
I, and last one for me, the Vikings. I, I don't like the fancy, funky Nike numbers that the Vikings have on their jerseys. Let's go back to the block numbers, even if it means seeing a guy wearing number 43 in the block numbers and having flashback to him being thrown to the ground by 88 <laughs> for the Dallas Cowboys. I still would rather have the old school block numbers, the old school, yeah, especially the white jerseys with the LSU stripes up over the shoulders. That's what the Vikings need yeah. to do. But uh, nobody ever asks us when they decide to change their uniforms or not. That's it for today. She's Shereen Williams. I'm Mike Florio. We'll see you again tomorrow. Have a great day. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Yeah. The charcoal mask, great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice, I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.